Certainly with the weather, the tornadoes in Mississippi, Lord, where it claimed many lives and devastated many households. Um, but we know through that you will get the glory, Lord, and just give healing and, and peace and wisdom for the rescue efforts and provide restoration for them. Lord, we pray for the evil that unfolded in Nashville, Lord, and, and just what went down there, Lord, it has nothing to do with you <laughs> and everything to do with the evil one. Lord, we just pray for grace and peace even tonight with their vigil that they have going on. And Holy Spirit, work through the churches that are there to rise up and be the church to those that are hurting and have questions and that are not answered and that seem to have no hope. Put people around them that will bring hope that points to you and only you. Lord, in forgiveness and let no division come through this and that you'll get the glory through restoration and healing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I wanted to talk tonight about worship. We know it very well. We know about it very well, I think. But I wanted to talk more in the essence of do you have daily worship in your life? Daily worship should be a, a practice that just happens where, where it, it, it's something that is an element that really separates religiosity versus relationship. Because worship brings you closer to the throne room in God's presence. And it's not so much what you do, like religious things of doing, but it's really a heart issue and has everything to do with surrendering. In my life, I believe there's, there's three key components that, that lead me into daily worship. And by far, I am not perfected it. But I just want to chat about it tonight because I think it's a big benefit in each and every one of our lives, certainly if we've decided to follow Christ more. Because in that following, you're getting closer to Him. Um, inherently, when we want to follow Christ more, we're being called to surrender more, right? Surrender ourselves. And that's really the beginning process is surrendering ourselves. And that through that surrendering, that can grow. And we can't grow it on our own, but we grow into humility. And then that through that humility, we begin to enter into an intimacy. And then in that intimacy, we're actually in the presence of God. And that's only done through the Holy Spirit, not through a formula, even though I'm talking about process more than a formula. And in that presence, as we know, and we teach on Sundays and Wednesdays, that's where God is, and that's where Jesus is. And they are longing us to be in that room and in that presence with Him. And I believe when we continue to practice that and surrender and the humility and the intimacy all through the Holy Spirit working in us, that that will become daily in us. Daily in us. You see, we have yet, and speaking to myself as much as you, we have yet to not be amazed how great God is. <laughs> There's a deep, 
discovery journey daily of how much you are loved. How much you are loved. And through this organic process that the Father and Jesus want us to come into his presence, it's really part of the original design. Many people, and I've done it myself, if, if you start with surrender, that's really the first thing you do when you accept Christ into your life. You're, you're exchanging something. You're giving something up. And then, But some people, when they want to get into worship or grow into knowing more about God, jump right over surrender and go into a humility they think that's happening. And it's really a false sense of humility. You should never have to disclose how, hu- how much humility you have. <laughs> Your life should breed it. And it starts with surrender. The more you do daily worship, the, the less you're satisfied with natural things around you. And the less you'll react to natural things that happen around you. Because you have a, a connection with the presence of God in that worship. Some people know of God, and they're Christians. I know of God. And think that their, their sacrifice or offering and serving God is through how much they've learned about God. But people who know God, they've communed in a spiritual aspect that is far more than an educational process. Because they know when they get into those organic processes of surrender, humility, and intimacy grows, that there's a point where I am so unworthy to be in front in the God's presence. But your love overcomes all of that because of what was done through Christ. When you're in daily worship a lot more, your appetite begins to grow. Your hunger begins to grow for more of God the authentics of a relationship with your creator that can lead to daily worship. Daily worship begins to work with all of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God our Father, and Jesus who, not just our Savior, but is our Lord, right? There's a story that we know well, um, and it's not a pun here, but it's the... It's the the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Uh, John 4, 24. Um, I think we have it. Yeah, in John. So this is Jesus, obviously. He's, he's on the earth still, and he he's, runs in. He's going to the well, and whether he was there intentionally or not, God was still orchestrating the moment. Sorry, it's John 4, 20. We'll start John 4, 20 and go to 24. And again, we know this story, but it, it's... At this part of the story, it's all about worship. So tell me, again, this is the woman at the well, why is it that you, Jewish Jews, insist that the Jerusalem is the only place of worship? So she's obviously had an impression of religious leaders. While we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Germans, we are our ancestor, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when I will no longer ma- it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. 
for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, this is his prophecy. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For this is our key scripture tonight, really. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. To constitute worship, to kind of look from an aerial position when I, we say the word worship. When we say worship, does, does what comes to mind is how we open a service. But as we begin to develop our relationship with Christ in our daily worship, our life is a worship. Because through daily worship, even though we're in the presence of God, the output that God wants is how it's going to manifest in your physical surrounding. So what that means is you become a life of worship is underlined in a life of servanthood, serving. Amen. Praise God. Or the other thing, if I said worship, you'd say, well, it can either be in a church or can it be an individual? And it's both, basically. Most of the worship that we experience is worship that is insulated with music. And I truly believe that's the God design. I mean, you had to figure that the person or the being that God appointed to lead worship in heaven got a taste of the power of worship that God created and thought that he was equal to God. And we know that to be Satan, right? So there's power in music. There's power in worship. There's power in that. There's a form of worship that is praising, praising the Lord. So if we're talking about in a musical sense, you know, whether it's in a, Sunday, in a service or you're as an individual in your car, at home, on the job, there is that praising, and simply that praising is giving thankfulness to God of what He's done. And that is true worship. But we can't rest in the praise. Because God doesn't need to hear every day how great He is. He already knows it. He would like to be worshipped a little <laughs> and thankful for that. But daily worship is going to be your most critical component in the days ahead of following Christ because it's going to bring you closer to Him. Let's talk about surrender. So we're just going to go through these. Again, we have surrender, humility, intimacy, and that should lead you into the presence of God. As far as I know, surrendering is legal in all 50 states, except one or two, right? That's a joke, guys. It's late. Come on. But surrendering, what I mean, back to what I talked about before really focusing on that right now, is that when you gave your life to Christ, He was asking you to surrender something. I'm, I'm going to, and hopefully I can articulate this well. I may be using this in an Easter message, so you, you may hear this again soon. But this really uh, is profound. It just, I, I, I really got a lot out of the, the way this was presented. So somebody, I heard this said, uh, and it has to do with surrender. 
and evangelism, but let's focus on the surrender of it. As Christians in our life, if I run into a murderer who is um, in jail, if I'm in the murder, you know, if I've gone to the ministry of prison and I'm facing that murderer straight in, in their face and they have a life sentence. And as a Christian, my opening phrase is, Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And that is good news. If I'm standing in front of a person that labels themselves as gay or transgender, Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And that's good news. Standing in front of anybody, Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And that is good news. If you accept that good news and you make not only Jesus your Savior but your Lord, I have just a little bit of inch of bad news at first. And that bad news is as much as he died for you on the cross, you have to die for him. And in doing so, you surrender everything. And you're not surrendering to a presidential candidate or, a, or something of a constitution that can be rewritten. You're surrendering to a king. A king who loves you. But it's all about starts with surrender and worship. News. God wants all of you. <laughs> he wants all of you, but that's okay. <laughs> How well have you done on your own? <laughs> it's dying to yourself. And it's a constant thing because life happens every day, right? We think we laid one thing down and then another thing may come up at some times. And the Holy Spirit is so beautiful and loving, quiet, still voice. Like, no, that's still holding on to you. You need to surrender. And it's more of a position of a heart, not a position of where you physically are. Because you could surrender anywhere. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you'd be in the grocery store and you're hearing that voice. Eh, you don't need that Reese's Pieces again. You need to surrender, you know, anything. But just anything in your life that God's talking to, the Holy Spirit's talking to you about. Um, surrender can happen anywhere. And why I'm mentioning that is it doesn't happen to always have to happen in this room. It's a great place but it can happen in your daily rhythms and wherever you're going. How do, I, how do you know to begin to surrender? It's just being honest where you are. I, I don't know if I'm where you want me to be right now. And through your Holy Spirit, help me surrender what I need to surrender. Freedom is far more better from things than being slaves to some things, by far. Which is kind of upside down what the world would say, because it's feeding you again, addictions or different things like that. But freedom, the end result of surrender is freedom, because when you're free of things, you're giving yourself as an open vessel where the Holy Spirit can fill things in you that God wants through you. And the Trinity can work with you. <laughs> And then your disposition becomes towards worship every day at every moment. Humility. It's a swear word in our culture, I think. I know Pastor Ray was talking about this a few Wednesdays ago, that when the Holy Spirit works, humility is part of that. 
And same thing he said. <laughs> humility is critical element. But the humility has to grow in you. It doesn't just come on you. And it starts if you're surrendering everything. Everything works together. A definition of humility, I have two definitions here. One is a modest or low view of one's importance. The lowness doesn't mean you're insignificant. It just means you have a well-being thought of others equal to you or greater. Through humility, the Holy Spirit can lead. Because at the end of the day, it's less of you that is holding things back. I find that even through different things in my life and stages of my life and different areas of leadership. If I would look back and say, the same thing happened to me today that happened to me two years ago uh, that should have irked me, caused fear in me, created anxiousness, doubt, through surrendering and humility over, the, over these last two years. And I'm not at a, we're never at a final stage. But those same things do not affect me. Not because of how great I am. <laughs> how great God's more of, more of God is in me. Less of me, more of Him, right? In 1 Peter, Peter does it well. talks about humility. We know this scripture. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. In that surrender, that first step is where you really begin to see the power of God working in your life. And then humility grows. And I think Peter was on to this. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. In that lifting up in honor, Peter talks about, it's not so much I believe that God wants to lift you up and say, hey, yo, look at my sons and daughters, they're so great but it's to remind you that only He can lift you above the clouds of whatever you're going through. No matter what. No matter a job falling apart, family falling apart, things that are not going your way, only He can lift you. But it's, you have to have humility in that, as He says. And He cares for you. As we begin to surrender more and become more humble, He can reveal more of Himself to us. He wants to. But if we're holding on too much of ourselves, He's not violating your will. And your surrender takes your will. Your will surrenders things. But once you're starting to surrender and lining His will up with your will, and humility grows, He's revealing more into you. Colossians 3.12 since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some of the fruit of the Spirit. But humility's in there. And all these attributes that are in that verse work all together at once. 
Uh, Rick Warren had this great quote on humility, and you've probably heard it. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. One of the greatest scenes in the Bible, I think, to etch out humility is when Christ washed the feet of his disciples. It wasn't 11, it was 12. So he knew what Judas was going to do as well. (laughs) But he still washed his feet. The humility to do that. And there was a double, two-way street that day because you had Jesus, you know, having to be, provide an example of humility, but then you had the disciples. And we we know Peter was, (laughs) had to say, wait a minute. He thought he was moving in humility, but it was false humility. You don't need to wash my feet. I'm not worthy. But Jesus said, no, in humility we can connect unity of what we're trying to do here. But that's big. The Son of God washing feet. Mm. But that's part of a life of worship. That's worship in motion right there too. It really is. You see, when we get to a place where we've surrendered and our humility is growing, we don't count the cost really. to not walk in love and think greater of others. Because it's only one cost. It's just me. (laughs) Dying myself to God's purpose for others and for Him. How can we grow in humility? Well, if we're surrendering, it should grow. But it is being honest with yourself. Where are you? And certainly with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I have the prayer to the Holy, with the Holy Spirit in the morning, burn out of me, which is not of you or my Father. Burn it out. And it may be painful at times. People sometimes cannot grow in humility because they're too hurt. And the hurt's honest. I mean, it's real. But then I would say, did you let go of something before that and surrender these cares to Christ and what you've gone through? When we become in worship and our humility grows, we begin to see the awe of God. And that's really everything in the presence of God. Because now he is beginning, as I said earlier, to reveal more of himself to you. And when that happens, intimacy grows. It has to. Because you are being drawn in to the presence of God at that point. And it's so important if you have decided to follow Christ. Intimacy is such an important thing. We see through the New Testament about seeking his face. It's coming from Jesus, you are my Savior, but now I'm going to worship you for being my Lord. Nothing to gain (laughs) in worship, nothing to lose. Just being with God and with Jesus in his presence. 
No agendas, but God's agenda. We begin in that honest to see really the goodness of an Abba Father. Mm. And a loving Lord of what he did on the cross for us. We know this scripture well, James 4, 8. I'm working out of the New Living. I know King James has the, the word draw, but here we go. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, your sinner. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So it's a harsh, it starts out nice, right? But he's warning that he can't be intimate with a sinner. He can't. Sin separates. Worship is so important because (laughs) it pleases God. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to you. Just some more proof of how he wants, and even Jesus himself wants to be close to you in 1 John 1, 9. And we know this one too. But if we confess our sins to him, that's getting pretty intimate. I mean, I got to bear all. (laughs) But he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. We are sometimes our worst enemy. We blame Satan too much sometimes. Oh, he's out there. He's ready to kill, steal, and destroy. But sometimes we're our worst enemy. We're holding back. Throughout the New Testament, and Pastor John's done some great messages of, of being in Christ. There's a powerful book by Kenneth E. Hagen of In Him. You have to have intimacy to be in with Him. <laughs> it's so important. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, talking about intimacy more. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down in Him and let your lives be built on Him. So if I choose my roots to go down and build my life on Him, I'm going to probably have to be in communion with Him daily because I'm leaning into Him for a lot of things. So it says if we do that, then your faith will grow strong in the truth You were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with thankfulness. Thankfulness is part of that praise and a worship. Lord, thank you for all you continue to do for me. Even things I don't even know. (laughs) You've orchestrated my steps way ahead of me. Things like that. But that's worship. Lord, just thank you. There's an article I found um, that a while back that I think would help here too besides my rambling 
as amazing as it may seem, the undeniable truth is that God desires to walk with us in a deepening fellowship. Clarence McCarthy, back in 1957, a conservative Presbyterian pastor uh, and leading fundamentalist during his time, preached a sermon titled, God's Favorite Word is Come. Although scriptures includes many gracious invitations, this pastor selected the text from Revelation 22:17. We don't have it, so I'm just going to read it. It says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take free gift and water of life come. Instead of God placing obstacles or elusiveness in our way, this invitation is freely offered to anyone who hungers to know God deeply. The invitation is one word on the card. It's come. Come to me. Come to me. Through grace we are saved. We know that. Through our, and then our faith begins to grow in our salvation. But there has to become a point where that relationship is being elevated through spending time with the Trinity. So there's many opportunities. Obviously, worship is, and the church service is great. We have a worship team, a band. But you don't need any instruments when you're with yourself independently just to sing or scriptures. Many prayers can start with worship and cries out to Him. But there is a point where it shifts or is just focused on Him and His face. You're not bringing needs to Him. Because you know what? Those needs will probably get solved if, if you've surrendered and your humility's growing and intimacy's growing. It's all lined up. You are face to face with your Creator. Face to face. There's a scripture, I didn't give it to you. I think, no, I didn't. Um, that again, continue on the lines of intimacy right now. I heard somebody translate this scripture on what it means and the timing of this. Um, Matthew 25 is obviously after Matthew 24. And uh, Jesus was talking about the future a lot in Matthew 24, what he sees, and he was sharing that with his disciples. And then he went into some parables. And we know this one, I believe. Um, in Matthew 25, it starts out, it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And I wanted to read that. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bride's groom is coming. Come out and meet him. 
All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went into the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep, this is Jesus ending, so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day and hour of my return. Why am I reading that? The oil is the intimacy you are, have with God. More than ever in these end times, people that are not intimate God will run out of oil. And when God comes, when Jesus comes back, He will not know them because there was no intimacy there. So store up your oil. Get intimate with God. Get intimate with God because the time is coming. The time is coming. That intimacy, you know when you're intimate with God in worship. Because there's a place where you become, you've seen the awe of God, you become overwhelmed. <laughs> there's nothing to say <laughs> at times. And you have access to that at any time of the day, wherever you are. Because it's a position of the heart. The position of the heart. I find many times in worship and there's a point, and I am not perfect at it, but there is a point where I begin to cry and choke up. You should be experiencing that at some point. Because you're overwhelmed with the in, you're overwhelmed who has allowed you into their presence and the honest of God. And it's all under-rooted about from how much He loves you. You have a Creator that you're in the presence with. And then you have a Lord that went to a cross for you. And nothing else matters. There's no agenda, though. I just want to be with you. But the entry point is through worship. Of, of acknowledging who you're entering into. But it starts back with surrender. Are you surrendering things that God needs you to surrender? As you are, humility will grow. And then the opportunity for intimacy will certainly come. I believe in Ephesians when it says grieving the Holy Spirit, we miss many opportunities daily to become intimate with God through worship. That's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, come. He wants to meet with you. Phone rings, text comes in. Something more important at that time we think happens. He wants to meet with you right then and there. See, in the presence of God, most of the answers you may have been looking for will come through that instead of a prayer. Prayer is powerful. But God would rather reveal more of what He wants to tell you when you're closer to Him in the presence because as the closer you get in that intimacy, He can begin to trust you because you've laid everything down. 
You've laid everything down. I've gotten many times in worship wisdom, things that I was trying to read books in, saying I need an answer for something, but within seconds, the Holy Spirit just gives me a word or something like that. And it has nothing to do with me. It's ready for you all going to it. But sometimes we pass by it because we're just too busy. In the car, have the radio, the sports show on. And I used, I used to do this. I finally, I'm turning it off. Lord, I'm here if you want to speak. What do you want to say? You don't, you don't need a worship team in your car. <laughs> you don't. It's just you, your mouth and your spirit lining up and worshiping, and worshiping. Mm. Sometimes we have a hard time just to sit still, too. Because, that, because God's waiting in that worship to just rest. Rest in Him and sit still. Rest in Him. Is this making any sense at all? Yeah. Am I just crazy? <laughs> But it will take your relationship to a whole other level. Whole other level. And it's instant. It really can. I don't know if you remember we had uh, Nia Allen here and I did an interview with her and there was a part in the service that uh, we were talking and then she just kicked into a song and then the Holy Spirit was just starting to wait the room. It happened just like that through worship. Imagine if our default is worship when things start going bad in front of us. It opens the door for God to move. It opens the door for Him to move. So once we get into daily worship, it can be a part where our whole life is a worship. And and, and how that happens is then it's not me and God, but it's how God has continued to ministry, minister in me to work through me for those around me. So we have, a, at some point you begin to, your heart beats as a servant's heart to everyone around you because you see things different, because you've been in the presence of God. <laughs> so I see you how Jesus sees you, all of us. It gives us a different disposition and how we are to serve one another. How we are to serve one another. But for me, worship is mainly in song. Singing, jumping in, and then just worshiping, and, and then you find that the Holy Spirit can move. For others, it may be a different thing, you know, but it is focus point of, you know, with our mouth, you know, as I did earlier. Jesus, <laughs> thank you for what you did on that cross. Lord, we honor you for everything you continue to do. You are worthy. We cast our dingy crowns at your feet. You matter. You matter. You matter. We're going to do an exercise. We're going to do a little worship. 
We just talked about it, right? But Pastor Chris, the worship team is in here tonight. <gasps> it's not how you sound. It's how you connect. <laughs> Nothing to do with your vocals. I mean, it, the words are important, but but it's cry, it's it's connecting to God. It really is. And what we do tonight, it's something you can take in your daily practice. Take in your daily practice. Um, I had let Mike know earlier that I may do this, and we will. What, um, Sharon, what's the first song that you have up there? I'm going to be gracious enough to give you guys lyrics. So. <laughs> I may need them too, we'll see. Yeah, why? Oh, yeah, let's do that. That's cool. So just before we go into, we just pray us, pray into this. Heavenly Father, we just, Abba Father, loving Father, you want us to draw closer to you and to your presence. Lord, thank you for sending your son who we worship and adore through your love. You put him on a cross <laughs> so we could become reconciled to you. The veil torn, we can enter into your presence, Lord. And we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives big in us, that ushers us to where you lead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am not a good singer, so I'm, I'm going to be the first.